Black Tech Green Money isn't just about telling the stories of successful black entrepreneurs. It's also about giving actionable and wealth building strategies that help you protect the future of our communities. That's why we're pleased to be supported by State Farm Insurance. State Farm also believes that we must invest in our communities to achieve economic growth by sponsoring programs like the AXO, which rewards high school students for their academic achievements. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. AT&T connects and ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I think we're addicted to the adrenaline rush, honestly, whether that be or the endorphins, whatever gets released in your body when you're laughing hysterically, like watching Impractical Jokers or screaming or shaking or hugging your loved one or what have you. It's the adrenaline rush or the endorphin rush, whatever it is, is addictive. And I, I don't think I think we just keep going back for it, back for it, back for it. What if I told you there was more to the story behind game-changing events? Get ready for my new podcast, That Moment with Damon John. We'll jump into the personal stories of some of the most influential people on the planet, from business moguls and celebrities to athletes and artists. Welcome to That's Moment with Damon John, and I hope you are ready today for a really fun episode, because today I'm sitting with the prank king, James S. Murray, better known as Murr from the hit series Impractical Jokers. Now, you might be wondering, what the hell can I learn from someone who tells jokes and orchestrates pranks for a living? But trust me when I tell you this, it's not often you learn from people within your industry. Sometimes they're too jaded to learn how people did it in another industry and apply it to your industry and do it your way. Murr is a very talented writer, executive producer, and comedian. Uh, he's a member of the comedy troupe everybody knows, the Tenderloins, along with fellow Impractical Joker stars Joe and Brian and Sal, you know the crew, who actually, they all met in high school, reminding me of my FUBU partners. And for over a decade, Murr served as a senior vice president of development for North-South Productions, and currently, he's the owner of Impractical Productions, LLC, and co-owner of Badwoods Entertainment, which is a part of a first-look development deal with Warner Media. 
Mar is also an international best-selling author with seven published titles and three more brand new books hitting shelves in the next two years. So the guy isn't just someone with comedic timing. He is a brand. He is a businessman or businesswoman, whatever you want to be. Fully rounded business. Recently, Merce starred in Impractical Jokers, the movie, and his fellow Tenderloins, who together have been touring the entire world and playing the sold-out arenas. They even sold out Madison Square Garden. Now, that is no joking matter. You tell me who have sold out the garden telling jokes, right? We're talking people, big people, like Kevin Hart and Richard Pryor and, uh, you know, uh, Eddie Murphy. I am so excited to check out this man uh, and what he has to say and learn from his experiences and how he's able to continuously provide entertainment to a global audience and make us all smile and just let us forget about our problems for just a couple of minutes or a couple of hours. All right, let's go. All right. So listen, um, listen, Marman, thank you so much for joining us. I, I, um, I really created the podcast because I, I want to know those special moments that maybe we don't talk about. Um, not because not because we don't want to talk about them. It's just because, you know, we get as, as any individual, whoever it is, right? Whether you're in the public light like you are or whether we're people hanging out at a bar. I mean, you know, hey, what's your name? So, well, oh, what's up in Jersey? You, you got the same thing, right? So I like to dig a little bit into, obviously, that moment that it happened. So... Uh, let me, I, I had a couple of questions here. I'm going to go off topic probably, but um, in regards to performing, I always said to myself that I know a lot of uh, really amazing comedians, performers, and they were always that person. So what I find about the greatest comedians, uh, they got beat up in school a lot. <laughs> and... It's not fun, right? It was kind of like the everybody hates Chris theory, right? And it's kind of like that, yeah. you know, I would see comedians who just like, well, now they're comedians, but I knew them a little bit when I was younger. We, we, let's say we're in the sixth grade and the biggest, the biggest guy, no matter what they did, all the kids were afraid. And that comedian or that person just couldn't help themselves. They just... But they didn't care about the ass whooping they were going to get, but they were like, man, your head is so big, and they just couldn't help it. And they knew they were going to get something was going to happen. Was that you? No. No, it wasn't me. Uh, first of all, an honor to be here. We have been fans of yours for uh, a decade now, so thank you for having oh, me. Thank That's you, the first man. thing. Second, no, I was not... Uh, uh, I, I've only been in a couple of fights in my life with the school bully, of course, uh, but I will let you know, and I'm proud to say that I popped him twice in the uh, two different fights in the uh, right eye and gave him black eye both times. So nice. since then, I never got messed with in school. I was a pretty uh, fairly well-balanced kid and uh, no, 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 no torture in school for me. I was pretty, I was pretty good. Well, were you, do, but were you, were you, uh, were Everybody's a fan of a prank in a sense, um, but it depends on how much you engage in a prank, right? A lot of us like to watch it. Some of us even like to be the victim of it if it's all in fun and no matter what it is. And then, uh, obviously, we all like to prank somebody to some extent. Which one were you more like? Uh, I definitely liked pranking people more. We were uh, we went to an all boys Catholic high school in Staten Island, so I mean we started pranking from day one. The first time I met you know the guys was in religion class, and as Miss Viducci was teaching the Beatitudes, uh, you know Joe would be dropping his nose on her elbow. She walked up and down the aisle. So I think pranking was in our blood from the beginning because you know you go you go to an all boys Catholic school. You're not studying. You're not working. What are you doing? You're just screwing around with your friends, you know, to pass time. So I think that was built in our DNA uh, from childhood, for sure. So today, you know, pranking is and stunts to whatever you want to call them that are a whole nother level. I, you know, um, I'm going to, you know, I, with the opening, I, I, I shared with people. Um, that uh, your massive, massive uh, success in regards to people, you know, loving you. But I was in the mall the other day. Um, not the other day. I was, I was probably in the mall last year. I'm walking around, and um, 
this kid just runs by my wife and yells and you know and and then another you know what and tries to scare her or whatever I'm with my daughter right um, my daughter's seven another kid walks up you know excuse me you, 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 you know you know, asking some stupid questions well I didn't think it was stupid at the time um I chased one of the kids um and I can tell that they weren't together. But these kids are using the mall as their, I want to produce content. Everybody's trying to top each other. Now, um, sure. I am not a tough guy. I practice the oldest, I practice the two oldest forms of self-defense. The first one is running. <laughs> the second one is biting. Actually, the third one... The the third one's a pretty good form of self-defense, telling. Try not to do both at the same time, because you could easily trip and fall if you're trying to bite and run. That's true, unless it's a, unless you're eating a Twizzler. But the the guy, may, you know, now the there's two people in the world you don't want to mess with. There's a mother and a father who whatever of whatever it is. I don't care if it's a bear. I don't care if it's a, whatever it is. Right. So now all of a sudden I run up on this guy and go, hey, he scared my wife. And my wife was with a little girl because he was trying to call the prank. And this guy was taller than me. But at the moment, I and I didn't want to engage him in that sense. I was like, what are you doing? The world has become a shock value prank. And there's a lot of people that get hurt doing this. <laughs> really hurt. Um. Yeah. What would you say about how, you know, you made a career out of it. You do it in a way where, you know, there's a lot of work behind it. There's consideration. There's a method to it. And this is not arbitrarily running up to a mother and a child with a father right there and scaring them to the point where they don't want to go back to the mall anymore. They don't know if they're getting robbed or it's a fire or it's a joke. Yep. How do we even have that conversation right now where it's just, it, it could, you know, fun and games is one thing, and then there's, there's a problem you may have. What do we – I would just really love your insight because way before this was popular in that sense, you made it something that was enjoyable, but it didn't – you know, you know it, it, was, it was done in a good way. Our take on it is this. We, we never liked prank shows. You know, I always felt – terrible for the people getting pranked they didn't sign up for it they're usually being they're usually the butt of the joke they're being made fools of they don't even realize people at home are laughing at them very much the same way as these pranks on social media go you know what i mean like you're like oh that's funny for the moment but also when you really think about it it sucks for everyone else that's in the scene except for the person doing it right so when we, uh, when we created impractical jokers uh, it was based on Intel, right? Like I worked in TV development for 10 years. My job was to create and sell TV shows for a living. I kind of rose up over years and years in my career. Uh, and then uh, I started getting word from networks that they were looking for hidden camera shows. They were starting to come back, but they were looking for a new twist on the hidden camera format, something that hadn't been done before. So the guys and I got together and I was like, you know, I think we can sell a hidden camera show. We weren't prank guys necessarily we were comedians we we're stand-up comedians or sketch comedians improv comedians and so we sat there in my apartment in joe's apartment we were like how could we twist the format in a way that hasn't been done before that takes away what we hate about prank shows mm. a calculated choice and what we hate is people who sign up for it they're, they turn out to be the butt of the joke how do we remove that well what if we turn the format on its head upside down and we are the butt of the joke and the public is just there to witness our embarrassment in the scene being forced to say and do things that we don't want to. And can we use all of our skills as bullshit artists, as gentlemen, as what have you, whatever skills we pull uh, into the scene to work around, talk through, under, over, uh, getting through the hardest to come up with scenarios without getting our ass handed to us, without getting punched on TV, and without insulting people? Because... We don't want, I don't want to hurt anybody right. ever. I don't want to think anybody. I don't mind if I'm getting, getting the business, you know what I mean? Right. Or if I'm giving the business to my friends. But so what it did was we, um, it made 
pranks much more enjoyable. It's also very existentially uh, uh, just intrinsically nerve wracking for us. You know, I question my career path every day, but uh, but it takes away what we hated about prank shows and makes it much more likable as a result. So, you know, there's lots of ways to do prank that doesn't hurt other people. You know, I, and I think that that's the brilliant part of what you what you do, because what I was really trying to get at is and I always say there's nothing new in this world. I didn't create new shirts. You didn't create TV. You didn't create comedy. You didn't create pranking. I mean, no, you know, I'm I'm a little older. Alan Budd, Candid Camera, you do. Or, and, you know, there's all this type of stuff, right? Yeah. So when you looked at it and you looked at the need for something out there and a passion, whatever the case is, how did you analyze to put a different spin on it? Was it, um, I, you know, because I know I think you shot the pilot and everybody, you know, like, and you can tell us a story. I mean, but I think everybody's heard that before. Where, where did you come up with, I can do this and put a spin on it and you felt confident? Because a lot of people have an idea, but they never did it. And they keep saying how this idea is going to be so great. When did you decide that this is going to be something good? And you know what, whether it's not good or not, I'm going to put myself out there and be vulnerable. As you said, question your career. How did you put that twist on it? What should people be thinking about any business they do? But let's even talk about entertainment, which is going through a massive, massive, uh, restructuring now. People are going to be forced to figure out new ways to entertain because, of course, you have these big issues happening. You have conglomerates that are saying, well, AI can replace a lot of that. And, uh, you know, and then we just need one person here. And, uh, of course, um, uh, CGI and all this other stuff, so writing and all this stuff. So, like, how do you get people to think right now in this really crazy time to put a twist on something they love that's already been done? Uh, you know, uh, by the way, uh, the guys and I got replaced by AI about four seasons ago. So, and no one noticed. It's wow. crazy. We were right out of the curve. I'm not. I'm not actually on TV. I stopped being on TV years ago. Wow. But no one. Did. You know, it's just I'm a, I'm totally AI. I'm a robotic at this point. But yeah. Uh, for, for us, in all seriousness, what what made the difference for us is we um we stopped <laughs> at one point what other people thought, right? Because we had failed so long. Mm. We we failed for eleven years. People, uh, you know, we we like to say internally that we were an eleven year overnight success story, right? <laughs> You know, we failed for so long. It was only like a year ago that I finally broke even between failure and success in my life. Wait a minute. I was, uh, at, I was looking at my notes and, you know, um, you've released over 300 episodes and we just recently celebrated our 300th episode. We were, it was on and cracking after five years, but like, man, yeah. you're saying that you really just started to feel, you know, good about it, huh? No, yeah, you know, it is. Uh, we failed for 11 years. Then we got on TV in our mid 30s when we were told we were too old for TV, we weren't ready for TV. And then we've been on TV now for 13 years. Right. Uh, so we just pulled ahead of failure right. <laughs> in terms of the balance of our lives, right? But what, what made the difference for us is that we, um, when Jokers came around, when we created Jokers, it had been our third attempt at television. We shot a pilot for Spike TV. Didn't go to series. We shot a pilot for uh, an improv comedy show for A&E. Didn't go to series. And we were literally ready to give up. And uh, and we tried one more time. And at that point, we honestly didn't care if people said yes or no. We just wanted to go out there and do something that we felt was unique to us, and but also relatable. And what was unique to us was that our friendship and chemistry was so real and organic and authentic that we're like, if we can create a show that puts, forget prank, forget, uh, Impractical Jokers is a buddy comedy. That's all it is. You know, the format is all nonsense. The format is just something to put our friendship on display, you know? And as soon as we figured out what our hook was and stopped caring about what other people thought and just said, you know, screw it. Let's do what we think is funny and we think is natural to our friendship. That's when it all came together. We, uh, it was the right time, right format that we created, right uh, display of our talents as improv comedians, right display of our friendship. And that's what people latched on to. Uh, you know, I think it's finding the right marketing hook at the right time. Uh, so it's business savvy mixed with uh, having a product that is authentic and real and people connect to. 
and you say, you know, screw it. I don't care what other people think. I just can't, I just can't not do this. You know, I have to succeed. You know, um, the tenderloins is four, it's four, four, four in the tenderloin, right? Or, or you... Yes, sir. Yeah, it's four. So it's the same, you know, it, it really is the same that we can learn from. It's, it's the four in Fubu, right? We didn't care what people thought. We didn't care what was done in the market prior. We cared that we were going to make this stuff. And we knew that if we loved it and, and, and whoever else loved it, who was going to be like us, who loved for this culture, the clothing, boom. You know, Shark Tank was going to be canceled the first three years. None of us stopped. Uh, you know, it was five of us or six, you know, actually, who was like, nobody said I'm not showing up again to shoot again. Um, and, you know, you're talking about accomplished people that have egos at that point to say, yeah. uh, somebody was like, you know, I remember <laughs> they moved us around about 10 times and um, um, they put us on Friday night. And uh, I remember Kevin O'Leary saying to someone, hey, you were on Friday night at eight o'clock. And they were like, don't they burn the Yule log on TV? And that, I like, you know, nobody, nobody was checking out Friday night. They use that PGI. American flag comes on screen and then it goes to static. Yeah, that, that's right, right. The American flag comes on. Yeah, exactly. And we, we showed up and we didn't care. And then we would go to, you know, TV shows that the only people would take us because initially, you know, before Cuban was on, they were like, who is Kevin, Damon? Like, who, you know, nobody knows these people. We wouldn't get on any, talk, any big talk shows, even on our own network. But we kept yeah. kept doing it, and I think that you, what I think maybe that is probably one of the most profound things that I have heard off of all my guests in a very simple manner. Because so many other people here have friends, uh, and they want to do it. But what what kept you together is probably a question, right? Because the sharks were all accomplished. We have the liberty of showing up or not. We didn't need each other, right? Um, Fugu, what kept us together is this drive to to fight the system within the, you know, uh, fight the system within the system, create change, and we want to address ourselves. When money started to flow, or maybe money wasn't there, what kept you together? Did, did you guys want to quit? Did you guys say, you know, I'm wasting my time? Like, what happened, you know? You know, uh, good question. Uh, we've been friends for 34 years. That's what kept us together, honestly, you know? Uh, I mean, a week before we came up with the idea for Impractical Jokers, uh, we kind of split apart and we're like, this is not working. We tried twice. We got word like a month before, before we created Impractical Jokers, a month before uh, one network president told us that we were too old for TV. You've heard this story before from other people. Right. Another network president told us that we were ready for TV. And then uh, we kind of said, well, screw it. It's not going to work. It, we were already in our mid-30s. We already had careers. I was working TV development. Joe was a salesman. Sal owned a bar. Q is an, an accomplished, decorated fireman, FDNY, for eight years at that point. And uh, we're like, well, it's just not going to happen, you know? And then uh, and then we let it sit for like a week. And then we're like, well, we miss each other. We still want to do it. And we got back together at Joe and I's apartment because we lived in a... Uh, what is the name of your book? Uh, one of your books, uh, The Power of... Uh, Power Broke. Power Broke. Joe and I lived in Manhattan, downtown Manhattan. We couldn't afford to live apart. Uh, we lived in a 700-square-foot apartment. There were three of us. Joe, wow. his now wife, and myself. Uh, one shared bathroom. His his bedroom did not have electricity in it. We had to run an extension cord from the hallway into a BS wall we put up in the home office to uh, for his bedroom, right? But you had a and home office with three people living in a 700-square-foot place? Yeah, yeah. Right. Wow. And that's where we created Impractical Jokers. Right. The guys and I got together. Uh, that's the power broke, man. We had I, I remember. Uh, I, I mean, there was one month I didn't have enough money to pay the damn rent, you know. Right. So. Um, so we had to succeed. We had to. And we just we got together. We missed being we, we let it sit for a week. We we're like, well, it's not going to work. Let's kind of go just pursue our individual careers. A week later, we got back to the other Joe and I's house. We're like, well, screw it. Let's, let's try again for a third time, like three times a charm. And uh, thank God, man. And to talk about another choice that night, we came up with two ideas for TV shows. One, I won't mention uh, because it never would have sold. And second was impractical jokers. And we're like, which one do we do? And we literally flipped a coin and we ran with impractical jokers. And, uh, and here we are, here we are, here we are. 
right, so there we were, cruising through the new open-air zoo, when I realized that the park was closing in like 15 minutes. Luckily, we were in my Nissan Rogue. With its powerful VC turbo engine, well, we had time to see all the animals. Whoa! <laughs> and outrun a few! Drive the Nissan Rogue. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbrook, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news, sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrantz, Palpocyclib. Ibrantz 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrantz and visit Ibrantz.com. Ibrantz may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrantz may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrantz, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Thirteen years later, uh, and now I have a home and a, a, a beautiful wife and puppy, and uh, and uh, and you know things I, are going well. You stuck it out. I'm, you know, yeah. every one of you did. Did every one of you take the stage as as uh, comics, or I know some write? Or how many? How many of you took this? Were, were stage wise, but purely you know stand up. We uh we all we've done comedy together for such a long time, like live performances, mostly improv. But we also do stand up comedy. The Impractical Jokers tour is stand up comedy. My solo tour, Mer Live, is stand up comedy. 
so, and then we used to do sketch comedy. We don't really do that anymore, but, um, no, that, I mean, that's how we started. We did improv in high school together and Impractical Jokers is ostensibly a, an improv show. No, you know? it, it is, but you know, you, you have a vested audience because they're already fans of you and they're waiting, right. To, to hear you. Right. Uh, so you have a vested interest, but it started somewhere. Would there be a, would there be a more difficult job in entertainment, um, than being a stand-up comedian that to earn every single joke. I I don't know how stand-ups do it. I honestly don't because we we're different than typical stand-up. Right. We travel together, so we're in it together. But right. we've also formed this uh, connection with our audience that I think a typical comic doesn't have. Right. Like we play actors on TV that you might recognize and like. We play ourselves on TV. Right. You know, so people come up and they feel they have a an emotional connection to us and they feel like they know us. Which they do. They know our real personality. So you walk onto stage with a giant, uh, yeah. uh, giant uh, advantage. No, I know. Because you know, that's what I said. They got a vested interest. But my question becomes really, at, even at this level where they have a vested interest, and I don't like to assume, but I think everybody would assume that have you ever had a bad night or a, a night where you really thought you got comfortable with who you are and what you do? Um, and it really didn't work out that well. Now, maybe maybe you go, well, they weren't rolling over and, well, you know, holding their stomachs. It was okay. Or did you maybe get booed? I'm, 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 I'm trying to find that to see that when people, they get to your level of, uh, you know, where, where people really love what you do, do you still, do you ever get to that point? Yeah, sure, man. We're, we're always our own worst critics, for sure. You know, I always know when I can deliver a joke better, and the guys and I feel it. Uh, anytime our performance is off is usually liquor-related. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you do one too many shots of whiskey in the afternoon, then you got get got to sober up for the show at night. You're like, oh, shoot. Shouldn't have had that last shot of whiskey. How do you criticize yourself? Do, you know, I know there's some com comics and, and, and or speakers or a lot of people that film themselves. I'm talking about in when you do in live. Um, do you go back and critique it? Do you have your, your your nearest and best critics who will tell you the the truth? Would it be the fans that you know really know you and will tell you you're off target? I mean, how do you how do you stay on that edge and critique yourself? That's that's why having the other guys on stage is invaluable. Like we are self critiquing during the show you know like pull the mic away from your mouth and you're whispering to the other guys and you can feel it as a comedian you can feel when something's not landing or could be landing better if you twist it or change it or come up with a different joke you just feel it and know it you know that's our that's why we get paid that's why people pay for tickets to make sure that we're at our best so i also feel a responsibility in life in general to always be at my best you know like uh, like you, I write books. I've gotten, I've got uh, eight books out in, in stores now, and two more coming in the next year. Adult thrillers, children's books, mm -hmm. like you, and uh, and I feel a personal responsibility to our fan base to make sure they are excellent. You know, uh, same thing with our live shows; they have to be great. The TV show has to be great because the audience trusts us with it being great. You know. We do, and we and we love you for it. Now I got to ask another question. You know, I was um. I was at some talk show. I was about to go on, and um, they said uh, Ben Ben Stiller was there, and he was. Uh, I think he was under the weather. Now, um, I said, you know, hey, if Ben is there. You know, when he leaves, can you know, can you know, my my dressing room was right there. I said, can you come in for a second? I said, sure. And he came in, and I can tell he he was sick. I mean, the man must have had the flu, and he was down. Now, I always say that I never wanted to be a rapper or a singer. I mean, I did, but I, I you know, there's this version of everybody thinks they can sing, so they kind of come up to you and they're going to sing. I happen to be in a great position in life where people come up, I get stopped all the time, thank God, um, and people want to just be able to feed their families or follow their dreams. Hey, I have an idea, I have an invention, or I have a business. These are these are real answers, right? What's your sales? And it's cool, and, and they may interrupt you in the oddest places, but when Ben walks in that room, I couldn't stop smiling. I, I mean, this guy was 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 Greg Fucker. He was, uh -huh. the, you know, he was, you know, he was the guy in something about Mary with the hook in his mouth. Uh -huh. He was the guy that you. 
he was the he's the you know and so i was i was laughing so hard when i saw him and he was probably like i'm i don't have time for this this i'm sick this guy's an asshole do you get do you get that a lot do you ever get tired i mean you could be having an argument with your wife right you could be trying to run to the bathroom because you got diarrhea and somebody's like no 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 hold on hold on do you get it because you broke a whole nother emotion out of people yeah, I mean, if I had a nickel for the amount of times I've been interrupted while running with diarrhea, I I, I would be a, a very rich man. Well, uh, yeah, it happens. <laughs> it happens all the time, man. But you know, you uh, I I think that the uh, TV is TV and performing live is half the job. The other half of the job is at you know, as public figures, we have a responsibility to. Uh, be the same in public or, you know, so I, I consider taking photos with fans out in public. And when they come up, you know, kids come up at dinner, things like that as the other half of my job, I signed up for it years ago. I wanted it my whole life. And then we were able to get it and have my job is being great on TV, being great on stage, being great when I write books. The other half of my job is to make sure people have a great experience when they come up to me. Because the reason we have these things is because they watch it, they support us, they trust us to keep them. Uh, you know, if we just if we make them laugh just a little bit more on a typical day, then it's worth it. I, I consider it a huge part of my job, you know? I've never heard anybody say that. I got to be very honest for everybody listening. That everybody doesn't feel like that. And I have, uh, I don't have any respect for people that they work their life to get to that level and then they push people away. And I've seen it happen a lot. I've seen, you know, celebrity basketball games and a singer, you know, and a woman coming up with her little three year old or seven year old girl and say, hey, you know, can you, uh, you know, can you sign an autograph? He's like, hey, we're playing a basketball game here. A singer. You know, I look at him like, you asshole. You, you're not in the NBA. You're here for a reason, right? And maybe, maybe, maybe that's the difference of your career and others because your career is to go out there and bring joy and work for every kind of laugh and joke. Maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I happen to know that most singers and entertainers they want to bring joy to people too. They want to sing a song, but maybe they had a heartache in their life and they sang a great song that became the biggest song in the world and it keeps playing. Like you have to earn it every time. And I guess, I, I don't know, but I have, there's probably about, there's a good portion of people who are in the spotlight, who knew they wanted to be in the spotlight, who really shun people away. And I just, I'm fascinated. So when you say it, and I'm the same way as you, I don't want people thinking that, you know, it's always like that. It, there's a lot of assholes out there. And I really appreciate you saying it in a good way of going, you know what, that's my job. Because I always say the day that I'm tired of it, then I see the cameras around me. I need to step away from the camera. Yeah. You know, I think it's a fundamental human nature, right, is to always resent what you have. And I, I think it's just in our DNA as, as a species. So for me, I'm, I... I I can't imagine living another way. Like I wanted this my whole life from when I was a kid. I knew I wanted to be a comedian, knew I wanted to entertain and then failed for so long, but, and tried every way possible to to succeed. And then when we got it and it kept going and going and going, I'm like, shit, man, this is the, I'm living the best possible life ever. It's made all good things happen. Like, the reason I can write books, the reason I can tour around the country and around the world, the reason I have a beautiful home, the reason oh, it's all because of our fan base. And I, I, I don't resent it. I love it. And I embrace it. And uh, I don't know. And I, I do recognize that people have different tolerances for that. You know, I was kind of born with a higher tolerance for um, public interaction than the average person, I think. But I love it, man. I, it's part of our job for sure. Well, let's talk about when you're behind the camera, because as a, you know, executive producer and various other things, you have... Oh, yeah. When I'm behind the camera, I'm a total dick. That's what I'm, that, that's what I'm about to get at. <laughs> you know how it is. And, you know, some people have, the, oh, my manager told me this and that. I don't do it like this and that. So I want to know how are, are you? A, a, you know, I know you, you, you could be joking. I never know because you're an impractical joker, but... um I'm joking. Well, when do, you, when, do you, when do you need to be a dick? Period. 
anytime. I'm talking about, you know, listen, if I'm at a store, thank God the masks are out because I keep the mask on. And But if somebody, you know, really steps on my toe or or like pushing like ignorance, whatever it is, what I'm just using it as an example. I tend to walk away from it because they don't know who I am maybe at the time or maybe they do. And yep. either they're trying to start something or even if they're not, as soon as I turn it on, I, I don't have that. I'm, I'm on TMZ in the wrong way. Yeah. You know, when are you a dick? Uh, interesting question. Uh, I don't think I've ever been asked that in an interview before. I, I don't know. It's really hard to push my buttons in that way. Uh, only, I, I think I'm a, I would be a dick. I could, I could be pushed into that if someone disrespected my wife. Yeah. Probably, uh, probably my only trigger at this point, you know? Uh, and often, oftentimes it's accidental. Like somebody comes up, they're excited. If they bump into her, push it, what have you, yeah. uh, uh, that I could see reacting to, uh, not like childhood where I punched the bully in his face, you know, but when, when, uh, you, when are you holding it back? Uh, let me give you another example. Here's when I hold it back. I hold it back for not only who I am, but I hold it back because even if I did not have a public stage, it's not going to end up well for me. When the waiter comes to my table, and now I was a waiter for many years. Red Lobster, right? Yeah. Thank you, man. So, you know, I was a waiter for many years. Now, favorite restaurant on the planet. You're telling me. Uh, Eight out of ten waiters come to the table, they usually, and one of people on the table, hey, can I take your order? Yeah. I'm waiting for them to do this. But they never pull out a pen and a paper. Can, can I tell you a funny quick story? Yeah. So, uh, you know, when we first sold the TV show, uh, uh, we get picked up for season two. So the president of the network back then uh, and the second in command of the network wanted to take us out to dinner to celebrate that we got picked up for season two. It's a big deal, right? So uh, the president of the network wanted to take us to a really expensive seafood place in New York City called uh, Per Se, right? Mm, we're, like, we're like, no, 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 no. We don't want to go to Per Se. We want to go to Red Lobster in Times Square to celebrate. And the <laughs> And the number two, the president of the network was the type of guy that had never been to Red Lobster in his entire life, right? And so he he, he relents and said, fine. He says, fine, we'll go to Red Lobster. How do we get reservations? And we're like, no, no, you don't make reservations to Red Lobster, <laughs> right? Anyways, he calls ahead. They're able to get the back private room in the Times Square Red Lobster for us. Mm-hmm. We go there. We're supposed to meet him there at like 7 o'clock at night to celebrate with the number two at the, at the network. The guys and I get there first. Uh, and we're in this back private room alone. The waiter comes in and we said, you know what, since he's never been here before, he has no idea what he's in for, what the restaurant's like. So we said to the waiter, look, our friend, our two friends are about to join. We want to play a little joke on him, but you can't tell him it's a joke. It's only between us. We promise it'll be okay. Anytime we order anything on the menu at Red Lobster, we want you to bring and charge us for three times the quantity of that item. So if we order a pound of crab legs, uh-huh. we want you to bring three pounds of less than so crab legs, right? If we order, you know, what have you, like multiply everything by three. Yeah. It comes, we all order, lots of food comes out. Keep in mind, the president of the network has no idea what the quantity of food is supposed to be. Uh-huh. The bill comes. Now there's six of us. None of us are drinking. It's a business dinner. The bill comes. The president of the network unfolds the folio. The bill unfolds four times. The bill was $1,400. Right. $1,400. No liquor, just that's dinner. A, that's a lot of food. Which is a lot of money for Red Lobster, right? Uh-huh. He looks at he's, he, Now, he's in a situation where he doesn't want to embarrass himself because he's never been there. He, he, he you know, he's paying for the bill. But he's also shocked at what the total what? was, right? I thought you were about to say, yeah, he's like, oh, this is cool. He's, he's thinking red lobsters, chain restaurants, can be cheap, what have you, right? He doesn't understand, but he also doesn't want to scan the bill and look like a jackass, right? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm on the red lobster mailing list, so I have a coupon <laughs> in my back pocket for $5 off oh. any adult. Oh, yeah, right? baby. So 
I see the bill come out. I, we're all crying laughing at it unfold. I take out the $5 coupon. And I said, hey, Mark, just so you know, I, I do have a $5 coupon. He, he says, can I curse? Yeah, all right. Okay, he says, he looks at the coupon, which is $5. He goes, fuck your coupon. He comes up. <laughs> he pays the bill. We get in the subway to go back to my old apartment. We are crying laughing. To this day, he does not know that story. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes in life, man, you got to celebrate successes. Well, now you know. So I don't know what you're going to tell him. <laughs> I don't tell him. He probably went back to Red Lobster or somebody, and he probably was like, "What the fuck was that?" It just, I just love the idea that he had to go into the, uh, you know, billing <laughs> department of True TV to explain how he spent fourteen hundred dollars at a chain lobster <laughs> restaurant. None. And, and, but it, it, she was that say, "Oh, I was talking about talking about the, the thing that pissed me off." But I love that story. The um. What I was going to say, you know where I get anxiety is like, so, so the waiter comes to the table, right? There's six of us. He doesn't pull out a pen. She doesn't pull out a pen and paper. And I don't want to be the asshole and be like, you're going to forget shit. Why don't you, like, you're not impressing me. You're yeah. really not impressing me by doing it from memory because I may have forgotten because it's a new menu. I haven't seen whatever the case is, right? Did I ask for the, I don't know, the whatever, the crab meat something on the thing or whatever. But why... Will they not write it down? And then when it comes out, if it comes out wrong, well, now I got to be an asshole. Or do I be an asshole in the beginning and say, hey, get a goddamn pen because I don't want a lungy in my food, right? Because now I'm talking to them like a child, but it's a pen. They got a lot of things or pen, whatever it is or a chart. They got a lot of things going on. You got to take the you got to take the meal order from six people. Um, one's the one's dressing on the side. One has a peanut allergy. And you got to take the drink orders. You're texting your boyfriend, girlfriend, son, husband, or wife in between. You got to plug it into the computer. The chef got to push it out the right way. You got to get it on time. I want, and I now I have anxiety. I'm at the table. When it comes back wrong, my dinner's ruined, all right, but I can't say nothing. Everybody's at the table. Don't want them to spit. I want to be a dick. I want to be a dick. You don't, do you have any instances where you're just like, here we go again? You know, what was it, lethal weapon? When he said, fuck you in the drive through they fuck yeah. like this. It's this thing with me. Do you do you ever have anything like that where all of a sudden you're no longer the lovable guy that they know from TV and stage? I know, man. I keep all that in check. You know, we've been on TV so long. I'm I'm in I'm in control of my emotions at most almost always. But I know what you're saying about the waiter thing. I think everyone in, gets anxious when the waiter does not take out a pen and paper. But then why did they do it? I don't know. It's almost like they want to brag. I don't know where it comes from. I guess they want to brag. How many my job. times have you ever seen that you get everything the way you want it and you're like this at dinner? Man, did you notice they didn't even have a pen? I'm so impressed. I'm going to come back. There, there is only one guy I know that can do that every time. There's a great restaurant in New Orleans called Antoine's. And the guy who works there, he's third generation waiter there. And he, he, was literally, I think, a few years ago, voted best waiter in America, and he nails it every time, man. I didn't every know time. it was the best waiter. Maybe they're all going for best waiter in America, but I that could don't be, give could a, be shit. a It could be a nationwide competition. You're, we're just not privy to, and they're just trying. That's how they get nominated. I don't know. Well, you and I need to create a new competition called Best Handwriting for Waiters Who Take Fucking Notes. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future. 
building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of Black and Brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Wallbroke, we hear inspiring rags-to-riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Moments like my daughter telling me a new joke mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer, or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palpocyclib. Ibrant's 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrant's and visit Ibrant's.com. Ibrant's may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrant's may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Dude, I, I can't. I can barely remember my niece's name, much less uh, twelve people at a table's menu. What are you excited about now, though, with everything you got going on? You know, because I want to like your 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 books, children's books, various other books. What are you more excited about? If you looked at yourself, because you you very clearly are grateful for the opportunity you've had. Uh, the way people are absorbing information. I mean, the, the best thing about you is you have so many tracks where they can absorb what you have in different ways. But what are you excited about for the next 20 years? Wow, good question. 20 years. Uh, I'm a serial entrepreneur. Uh, you know, like what I love to do is create ideas and sell them, right? So that's why I did well in TV development. Uh, Impractical Jokers is constant simulation. Creating a new tour is constant simulation. Uh, and then I just keep cranking out ideas for books and thrillers. But the books are only one part of the process. For me, what's exciting is s- selling the IP as TV shows or movies, right? So our children's books were out there. Uh, we sold the TV rights to a great company called Nine Story. We're writing these, uh, the live-action scre- uh, script right now, uh, Don't Move My Thriller. Uh, we are pitching as a movie right now. Uh, we were screenplay for it. My, my goal, my love, my first love is to pitch and sell, you know, uh, I love creating new projects and selling them. So with that in mind, I, uh, just created a new tech company that'll be launching next year. I, uh, created a new Amazon company. No. Okay. It'll be launching next year. Okay. I want, I want to make sure that anything you're doing, we know about it. Okay. Yeah. You'll hear about it soon enough. I, I, I cracked a big problem. That uh, that ev- that everyone's been trying to figure out for a long time. No one's been able to figure out how to make VR a necessity. Mm. You know, why need it? You know, uh, and I cracked that. I cracked how to make VR necessity or AR necessity for people, not just a curiosity. 
that's one. And then I'm launching a new, uh, you know, I'm passionate about selling shit, you know, I just love doing it. So we have two more books coming out next year, lots more ideas. I'm also passionate about creating a, uh, I want to create a, a horror movie studio. Hmm. Oh, yeah, but like, so, a, like a Blumhouse type of thing? Like a Blumhouse. Exactly right. You know, I've got so many great thriller ideas, uh, of which I sell most of them as books and then develop them as TV shows or movies. But uh, I'm going to go out pitching a uh, this fall a, uh, a scripted series, uh, a horror series written by me. And the guys and I, of course, pitch lots of TV shows. We develop lots of everything all across. You know, we have a, a first look with Warner... Uh, Warner uh, Discovery, and uh, we're just cranking out idea after idea. That's my, you know. So, you know, we do like five pitch meetings a week on different ideas that we're developing or have, uh, you know, shepherded. Uh, I love that, man. I love the the hunt and the uh, the pitch and the sell, the sell. What is it do you think, because I'm really asking a really important question to me, why would people pay to get the shit scared out of them or to um, think about people like Carrie or the Omen or like Freddy Krueger was funny. But why do people pay to get the shit scared out of them and for them to have just bad, I, I mean, they're bad memories of me. Maybe maybe this is now my my couch with the shrink. Why do people pay for that? And why do sick people like you create those things? <laughs> I appreciate you calling me sick. I agree. <laughs> uh, you know, I, because I think it makes us feel alive. You know, when you, you, know, when you walk in, 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 seven, in seven, when Brad Pitt's going, what's in the box? That doesn't make me feel alive. I'm it's great. Shit, no, man. I did not feel alive about thinking in the future somebody will come and decapitate my wife and put her head in a box. I didn't feel alive about that. There was nothing alive about a little kid's head twisting around, you know, in 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 the omen. And definitely not, Damien, I love you. Somebody jumping off a roof and splattering. I, I'm trying to understand where the alive is in that, unless you're a serial killer. I'm just, please explain it to me how you feel alive. I, I think uh, I think we're addicted to the adrenaline rush, honestly. Whether that be or the endorphins, whatever gets released in your body when you're laughing hysterically, like watching Impractical Jokers, or screaming or shaking or hugging your loved one or what have you, it's the adrenaline rush or the endorphin rush, whatever it is, is addictive. And I, I don't think, I think we just keep going back for it, you know? It's, well, if you uh, want to do that, you can always move to South Jamaica, Queens. And I promise you where I came from, your endorphins will be going all night, every night. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, uh, basically I'm going to base my uh, horror studio out of, uh, you know, Jamaica, Queens. I'm just going to go right there. That's where we're going to the best, uh, best material. Yeah, because when you put your studio there, so you put your studio there and somebody go, hey, yo, man, give me all that shit in the studio. You're going to be like, wow, this is really working. I'm really excited. That's what's going to happen. Yeah, right. It's just the adrenaline. It's hitting real strong right now. Yeah. I got it. I got it. Uh, you know, I think uh, I, I just love coming up with ideas that, make you think and scare the shit out of you or make you laugh hysterically. It's all flip side of the same coin. You know what I mean? Yeah. But listen, man, I, I wanted to hopefully open up some of that genius in you and to understand a little bit about the things that, you know, it's those moments that we're talking about the moment that you are in that you reflect on the 700 square foot apartment with three people at an office or, you know, the moment that, you know, um, you decided that this is going to be, you know, your career and, or, you know, the moment that you just realized, man, you work really hard for it. But at the end of the day, your job never stops. I think so many people don't realize that, I, you know, Mark Cuban told me one day that he's like, you know, when I bought the team, I was young and I, I had a lot of money and I bought the team and I was like, cool, you know, I'll buy the team. And then I was cursing at the refs and I was, you know, doing all the, cause yo man, I own the team. And then he, yeah. said, he said, all these writers are writing about me. And then he said, I was like, ah, I don't care. This is, he said, this is where I got my initial, you know, reputation, the crazy guy. And then somebody said to him, you know, no matter what 
economic or, you know, financial status you have in, you know, in Dallas or around the world, you know, there are children watching that team and wanting, and there's a glimpse of hope for them, whether it is the team sports, the individual players, they wear Mavs across their chest or their hats or they're watching them on TV. And you're, you're tainting some of their dream. You're more of a politician. You have a community behind you. and You have to understand that's a responsibility. You buying a team was the biggest responsibility ever. And people are going to look at you way after the sh- the court or the game is over. You're a politician. He realized at that moment that, that, as you said, I've never heard really being said like that is your performance is off camera as well. And, and people are investing in. And I really think that so many people, whether they're representing their family, a business, a company, the individual, they need to think about their performance is always on, whatever that seems to be. I agree. Well, I just got back from doing Comic-Con this weekend, and that's where it's overwhelming. You know, you asked about, like, breaking points, because you're meeting thousands of fans over the course of 10 hours, and then you can't, you're walking back to your hotel room, and more people are coming up, and then more people, and everyone's coming up it's just a constant you have to be constantly on for 14 hours and it can be it takes a certain uh uh reserve of energy you have to dig so deep to to keep going because you can't lose it but i i love it i love the adrenaline of it i i think i'm an adrenaline junkie when it comes to that i love seeing how far i can push myself to you know uh and still Give people the experience they have come to hope for. They, it's what they hope for, right? Yeah. Most people hate what they do for a living. Yeah. I did for most uh, my entire life. I hated what I did, you know, until I got into TV development and I started to love what I did. And now I definitely love what I did. But my first, you know, 12 years out of college, I freaking hated my jobs and, you know, hated the commute. And, hated, and if that's me, that's everyone. Everyone is like... And, they just need that. They're hoping for that little laugh, smile, better feeling from you. And it's my responsibility to give it to them. And whether they're hoping when they read one of my books to scream a little bit, they're hoping to laugh when they watch a TV show. They're hoping for just a break from what is going on in their, their life. And I feel a personal responsibility for that. Just like, and if I got to push through my own shit to give them that, I will. Cause I, I, can do it. I have it in me to do it. You know. Well, I gotta tell you, man. I, thank you for spending this moment with us. You're, 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 you're such a powerful person that people don't. You know, I may give people. You know, I hope that you know earlier on in life I gave people a, a, a ownership and a feeling of pride in a community. Uh, then hopefully I've given them ways to empower themselves. But you know, when somebody comes to your show, they may be on their first date. They may be celebrating their daughter's 18th birthday or whatever the case is and for that moment you you allow them to forget about life right I, I, i'm just hoping that if people there are on their first date our show is funny enough that they get laid afterwards yeah. if i can just get a single fan laid my job is done that that's what i'm that's what i'm talking about yeah. and that little moment that you share with them to forget about the rest of the world is so so goddamn powerful man that i appreciate what you've done and i appreciate all those moments you share with us man and uh you know what I, I agree with everything you say except for the fear factor because you know listen when i'm when when i go to golden corral and it's 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 10 o'clock and they got the doors closed and i'm scared to death uh that's not fun for me but other than that man i really appreciate the time that uh that you spent with us man thank you for uh sharing the moment with us uh, it's been great meeting you, buddy. I hope to meet you in person soon and uh, keep on entertaining us. Love you. You got it, brother. Peace. Take care, That Moment with Damon John is a production of the Black Effect Podcast Network. For more podcasts from the Black Effect Podcast Network, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite show. And don't forget to subscribe to and rate the show. And of course, you can all connect with me on any of my social media platforms at the Shark Damon, spelt like Raymond, but what a D. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. 
Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories. Change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Moments like seeing my son's team cheer him on mean a lot to me. But after being diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer or MBC, which is breast cancer that is spread to other parts of the body, they mean even more. I take Ibrance, Palbociclib. Ibrance 125 milligram tablets with an aromatase inhibitor is for adults with HR positive HER2 negative NBC as the first hormonal based therapy. Ask your doctor about Ibrance and visit Ibrance.com. Ibrance may cause low white blood cell counts that may lead to serious infections. Ibrance may cause severe inflammation of the lungs. Both of these can lead to death. Tell your doctor right away if you have new or worsening symptoms, including trouble breathing, shortness of breath, cough, or chest pain. Before taking Ibrance, tell your doctor if you have fever, chills, or other signs of infection, liver or kidney problems, are or plan to become pregnant, or are breastfeeding. Common side effects include low red blood cell and low platelet counts, infections, tiredness, nausea, sore mouth, abnormalities in liver blood tests, diarrhea, hair thinning or loss, vomiting, rash, and loss of appetite. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.